0: Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified dash vehicles slash beyond dash zero dash vision. Toyota, let's go places. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I am Molly. So Molly, I got some news from one of my best friends. Her brother is getting married, which is exciting. And a little interesting tidbit about this is he and his fiance met online. He moved to a big city Mm -hmm. and he was just having a hard time like meeting girls. It was just kind of just nothing was really working out. So he decided to take the plunge got online, ended up meeting this girl. And they've been together now for, I don't know, maybe three, three years. Wow. And now they're getting married. Congratulations to them. But they're still kind of keeping it quiet. That they met online? Yes. Not that they're getting married. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're they're, they're letting people know they're getting married. But I don't think that he's told like his parents that they met online because they just don't even want to have that conversation. They don't even want to, you know, get the strange looks You know, that sometimes. So they have some sort of fake, here's how we met story. I guess so. Yeah. I guess they feel like there might be, you know, there's still a lingering stigma a little bit on online dating. But I think that you could also say that, uh, it's becoming a lot more commonplace. I have friends who are in their early twenties who are getting online.
1: Oh yeah, I think everyone knows a success story of someone who's getting married, or at least has had, you know, a good successful relationship out of online dating. There's a ton of stories popping up about it lately, so we decided
0: to tackle whether online yeah, dating works. Does online dating work? You do see those, those really casual Match.com commercials mm-hmm. about those handsome couples who just happen to meet online mm-hmm. and and match perfectly. So they sure maybe, look happy. Maybe there's something to the, you know, the s- supposed science behind. Online dating. But, you know, matchmaking, nothing new. No. Um, It's just
1: online now. But what used to happen is there were the, ma- these uh, matrimonial agencies in the 1700s. We were reading about this in Live Science. And you would place a printed ad, basically a printed personal ad, uh, for, you know, lonely bachelors who were looking for wives. But, you know, it was pretty unpopular. It had the sort of stigma that sometimes online dating still has
0: now. And that stigma kind of waxes and wanes with the times, according
1: mm-hmm. to Live Science.
0: Right. According to that article, um, personal ads became more popular um, in the early 20th century, especially during World War One, when you would have these lonely soldiers who were just looking for a pen pal or a girlfriend or something. It just it became a little more mainstream. It became the bohemian thing to do to look yes. for comfort. And, you know, uh, one of my
1: favorite movies, Shop Around the Corner. Yep. Pen pals, mm-hmm. you know, communicating via written word seems very appealing, especially to me. I'm a writer, so right. I can understand it. But the police did not. The police thought that the kind of people who were placing these ads were just, they were trying to perpetrate scams. They were perverse. They were dangerous individuals. Uh Police in the late 1960s were thinking this was mainly uh prostitutes and gay men placing these ads. Mm-hmm.
0: But then it becomes more acceptable in the 90s with the web. You have things like Craigslist, you have, uh, chat rooms, like people, uh, being a lot more comfortable with divulging personal, um, information about themselves. Now we have things like Facebook where people put up sometimes far too detailed profiles and pictures that you never really wanted to see of yeah, that. Yes, pictures that are far too revealing. Distant cousin. <laughs> um. But we just become a lot more comfortable with this idea of meeting people in general online. Mm-hmm. So it's a natural extension that you would be able to build a profile much as you would a Facebook
1: profile and just say, make the statement, I'm looking for love. Come find me. Yeah. And let's and let's face it.
0: Dating is not easy. No, Um at least <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. at least in my experience, but it, it it does seem like you know it could take some of the guesswork out of having to you know kiss all the frogs to find your prince or princess.
1: Well, it's also convenient, you know you can sit at home in your pajamas and be like, yes, no, yes, no, that seems appealing and and you know, Maybe by the time you meet you I know you've got X, Y, and Z in common.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, uh, t- to do some casual research for this episode, uh, I got on my friend's Match.com profile just mm-hmm. to see how it all works. And Molly, I could, if I got on there, I would lose hours and hours. There's so many different ways to slice and dice who's looking at your profile, who's interested in you, you can say, you know, whether or not you're interested in them back, you can wink at someone. She was telling me that the the protocol with winks is if a guy winks at you, then you can either wink back at him to give him the go ahead to email you, <laughs> or you can just take the reins from that wink and contact him directly. Which just baffles Do me. Do girls ever wink first? I'm sure girls can wink first. Ladies, please wink first. I hope <laughs> that's not, you know, the girls can't, can't wink first. You can get someone's phone number. There's a thing to click on there to get someone's phone number. And, uh, and it was kind of funny going through, uh, her profile with her because she had, it'll send you this list of everyone who is interested in Mm -hmm. you. And so she like opened up her inbox with all the people who are interested. And she just started like clicking through them. Like she was going like jean shopping. She's like, (laughs) no, no, uh, no, maybe. Oh God, no, no. You know? And it was just, it was kind of fascinating.
1: But these were these guys that the site thought that she would get along with?
0: Yeah, these were people who you can see, I think there were 19 attributes that you fill out. A lot of uh, just physical appearance, uh, lifestyle and habits, political views, whether or not you're an animal lover, just general things about you. And so it'll show you um, how well you match up to someone else in all of those characteristics. And Match.com, I think, sends You, um, like their own list of, uh, that they've called of people you might be interested in based on your shared interests. And then I think people can just randomly, you know, see your picture and think that you're, you're, you're hottie and And uh, wink and send you a wink.
1: But see, this is interesting. This is where, uh, online dating has gotten really high tech lately. Like, you know, being matched up on the basis of like, do you smoke, not smoke? Mm -hmm. Kind of a basic thing. But now if you go to some of these sites, you take, you know, very long questionnaires on all sorts of things that you are about the essence of you Mm -hmm. in 248 questions and that's what they use to match you up it's become very uh high tech there are all these secret algorithms and people are starting to wonder is there real science behind this or is it just a huge money-making scheme because you can't deny that money's being made uh According to some recent data from an investment research firm called Piper Jeffrey, Americans spent 1.2 billion on online matching sites in 2008, and the company's predicting that by 2013 we're going to be at 1.7 billion.
0: Well, it sounds all the advertisements do sound pretty appealing if mm-hmm. you, you know, if a company like let's take eharmony.com for instance. I think they're one of one of the most famous for their secret algorithm that I think they were going to try to patent mm-hmm. at some point um and and the way they derived their algorithm was they took personality profiles of 5000 married couples and then they scored their personality types um and compared that to their level of reported marital happiness um according to something called the didactic uh, adjustment scale and then from that they created these 29 core traits and vital attributes that they supposedly match people by. And I think you have to go through, once you join it, you you answer 258 questions that uh, sums up your core traits and vital attributes. And uh somehow, you know, magic happens and you, know, you get one married. Of, one of my friends who used it said that
1: she was willing to use this one because the fact that you had to spend time answering all those questions
0: at least proved that the people who were there wanted to be there. Yeah, you weren't just filling out a random... Profile. Another profile to add yeah. to your repertoire. But at the same time, I think we do have to mention that eHarmony um has gotten a lot of flack uh because uh this algorithm does not take into account uh homosexual people. Like mm-hmm. the they can't actually join the site. And eHarmony says, well, we just use uh um only heterosexual couples in our research to derive the algorithm so it can't really fit, but at the same time, It's definitely been a big uh, PR problem for them.
1: Yeah, and the PR problem that it seems like all these companies currently face, I don't know if this will change in the future, is that no one, since they haven't seen the algorithms, there's no way for it to be subject to a peer review process. Mm -hmm. Other scientists and sociologists, psychologists, all these people who know about whether these algorithms work in terms of compatibility can't get their hands on it to review it. The only you know, measures of success eHarmony has released, other than the commercials that tell all the weddings that people are having, Mm -hmm. Um Is one study that compared happiness between couples who'd met on the site and couples who hadn't met on the site. Mm-hmm. And they were concluding that the people who had met on the site were much happier than the other couples. But they were comparing couples who had been, you know, married for six months versus two years. Right. And so the couples that had married two years might have been a little more settled out of that newlywed phase. And as a result, that might have been why they're reporting less happiness.
0: But, and I also think that eHarmony tried to claim that, uh, they were responsible for something like 2% of all of the weddings that happened in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like, I think last year, I think 120 weddings a day or something like that, or yeah. eHarmony weddings. Which seems pretty impressive, but, uh, Helen Fisher over at chemistry.com, we talked about Helen Fisher in an episode, um, entitled, Why Does a Sizzle Fizzle? Mm-hmm. She, uh, she's an anthropologist who studies kind of the, the science of love. And uh and she's trying to get her formula for chemistry.com peer reviewed uh because what she's done is um taken psychological and sociological measures and compared that with the levels of certain um chemicals in your brain such as uh dopamine and norepinephrine that all contribute to um our behavior when we are in love Mm -hmm. and has uh kind of broken that out into these uh different personality types like i think um there are things like builders mm-hmm. if you and- have a lot of
1: serotonin you're a builder yeah if you have testosterone you're a director and uh there are also explorers and negotiators and she's basically found that people who are explorers tend to pick explorers builders choose builders while directors and negotiators select each other so you know she's saying i can use these chemicals in the brain to predict who's going to get along mm-hmm. but like the other sites not currently
0: peer-reviewed right But there have been a lot of other studies, peer-reviewed studies, on online dating behavior and whether or not it it really might work. And, you know, Kristen, when we were researching this,
1: some of the studies I was most interested in were these studies about whether people are honest online. Because this is a pretty big, maybe, mental hurdle for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, we already know that when people are online, they feel they can say and do anything. So, naturally, if you're trying to catch a fella, catch a nice lady... You might lie and they're finding that people, yes, do lie. About half of the men lie about their height. They yeah, they give themselves another inch. An inch. Yeah. Uh, more than 60% of all participants skew their weight by five pounds or more. And it, you know, then there are all these correlations that the people who are shorter and more out of shape are more likely to lie. I mean, it seems fairly obvious, but it does happen. There was one study that showed that men are mostly going to be, you know, a little bit deceptive about their income, their height, age, and
0: troublingly, marital status. Yeah, there was one disturbing statistic about uh, the number of men on, on on these sites who are already married ladies, so <laughs> just buyer beware. Note of caution. And women were just more likely to lie about
1: their appearance. But, you know, then you've got other people coming in saying, who doesn't lie at the beginning of a relationship?
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed when I was reading these Match.com profiles was they were all so just, you know, breezy and casual, you know, everyone like you could just, There was always like this boilerplate statement of, you know, I just, you know, I'm really just looking for love. I want a soulmate, just someone to, you know, go to dinner with on a Tuesday night. I mean, just like really just out there, like mm-hmm. very, very straightforward, but at the same time, like. You know, just trying to appear as normal as possible.
1: Because that's the kind of statement that would not seem normal if a guy came up to you at a bar and was like, yeah. looking for love, want to be my soulmate. Really want a soulmate. So on the one hand, you have people who can be very honest about what they're looking for. On the other hand, maybe not so honest about uh, who they are. But at the same time, how are we evaluating that? Obviously, in the back of our head, we know that each profile we look at may not be particularly honest, but... I was interested by these things about how people evaluate the profiles, mm-hmm. which they started looking at after they realized that a lot of people would join these sites and become disenchanted very quickly. They would, you know, quit the site, not go on any dates. There's one statistic from The New York Times that, um, you know, people who are looking at profiles only go on dates with fewer than 1% of the people whose profiles they look at. And yeah. then they often claim these dates
0: are disappointments.
1: So they started looking at why
0: this was. Mm-hmm. A group of researchers from Harvard Business School, Boston University, and MIT started looking at all this online dating behavior. And uh, they they found that people often create unrealistic expectations that are just setting them up for failure because you see this profile of someone, you know, let's take, say I'm looking for a guy. I find, you know, he, he just looks so handsome in all of those photos. He seems very well adjusted. He has a very nice reading list. I like that he kayaks, you know, so we finally, he winks at me, I wink at him back <laughs> and, you know, we have a magical trail of emails and, uh, and then we finally go out on a date and I've, I've built him up so much in my mind that I'm just, Kind of doomed to failure because they were saying that you need to leave a little mystery mm-hmm. to, uh, to actually make dating the, the actual person to person process of dating a little more exciting. It's like we put so much information out there. It's just not as much of a fun game.
1: Mm hmm. And if you're prejudging that information, they found, you know, they gave online daters a list of attributes, some of which they felt described them as well and some of which didn't. And if the first attribute that they stuck up there didn't uh, jive with the person who saw it, mm-hmm. they were much more likely to negatively judge all the adjectives that followed. Even if all the other adjectives and qualities that followed were exactly what they were looking mm-hmm. for, as soon as they spotted that one flaw, they're
0: like, nope, out of here, next one. Yeah, it's just a domino effect. Yeah. Until you just, it's like my friend who was just like clicking through. She would see an attribute she didn't like and it was just like done, done, done. And some people think that this is, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. This is creating just kind of a throwaway culture. Um, we already have a, uh, divorce rate and this kind of behavior is only going to intensify that. There was an article in Scientific American, um, by Robert Epstein and he was referring to this as the click problem. Mm -hmm. He thought it was, he was concerned at the fact that not only, um, are you kind of dating in a socially isolated environment because you're sitting in front of a computer, but you're also given all these options that you can just, you know, toss people away with a click.
1: Yeah. As soon as you, as soon as you're done, you're out of there. And you know, it seems like there are all these other fish in the sea, but you can become overwhelmed by that much choice. Is another thing that people are saying. Um, you know, you just read and read these profiles, and you never actually follow up on them.
0: Yeah. There was um, uh, one study that was discussed in um, Technology Review from MIT, and it was saying that uh, you have so many choices that users experience something called cognitive overload. It's like you just you can't even make a good decision because you have so many choices in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that probably what what part of this might stem from is that we do hear all these success stories mm-hmm. like your friend. Um, I have friends like this. So we we hear these success stories. And I think once you make that mental hurdle to say, OK, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go online and date. And when it doesn't happen as
0: easily. As, you know, it seems like it happened for your friends, become very frustrated very quickly. Right. Because you think that the, the, the biggest benefit of online dating is that you can just, you know, you can just cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. You can find that guy who has your, you know, the list of attributes that you want and you guys can meet and you can fall in love and it's going to be magical. But, uh, there was one point raised by, um, a psychologist named Eli Finkel at Northwestern University. And he was saying that we might be making impossible shopping lists for a mate because we now have the ability to, you know, try to like hone in on what we think is going to be the perfect person when, when it boils right down to it. Sometimes, you know, you really can't explain love. You can't boil love down to 258 questions. Despite all our
1: attempts to explain love on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh So I think the, really the takeaway is that online dating can work. I mean, you have to stick with it just as long as you would stick with real life, you know, in
0: real life dating. Right. That was all. that was one of the conclusions from one of these studies. It was just that the rules of online dating and real life dating are the same. You yeah. just have to you know, have it's patience. a different different form of uh, communication. Kiss your frogs. Wait for your prince or princess. Wait for your winks. <laughs> But while you are waiting for those winks, if you do have uh, you know a lull, one one good thing to do to take up some time is read. Oh, are we gonna do a reading? We list? are fans of reading here at stuff Mom never told you and uh, you guys have been sending in your reading lists per our request. Thank you very much. And so I am going to read Sheila in Virginia Beach's reading list. She has split her summer reading into three sections. I'm very impressed with Sheila. For social studies, she's reading Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, Bonk by Mary Roach, and The Mirror Effect by Drew Pinsky and S. Martin Young. And then in Undead Fiction, she is reading Pride and Prejudice and Zombies by Jane Austen and Seth Graham Smith. She's reading Breathers, A Zombie's Lament by S.G. Brown. And then she's reading Bloodsucking Fiends by Christopher Moore. And then finally, her third section is Soccer. She's going to read The Beckham Experiment by Grant Wall, Finn McCool's Football Club by Stephen Ray, and Outcasts United by Warren St. John.
1: Very interesting. That's about a soccer team not too far from here in Atlanta huh. of refugees. Interesting. I'm interested in that book as well.
0: Yeah, so if you got any reading lists you want to send us or if you have any thoughts on online dating, any success stories, horror stories, Molly and I would love to hear them, so you should send us an email at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And as always, you can check out our blog called How To Stuff. And if you want to learn more about uh, finding love and the chemistry of love and how kissing works and all of that, you should just head on over to HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.